filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Guys, we got to talk about, uh, it's our 501st show, so we got to talk about a very important issue, uh, issue for this podcast, um, which is that there's a Japanese football uh, futsal team uh, who has a, their name is, their name is spectacular. It's Bork Bullet Kitakyushu. Uh Bork <laughs> is one word. Bullet is the word bullet uh, in English that you know well. I don't know where Bork comes from. There's no clarity on this whatsoever, um, but they bork have bork. a mask. They have a mascot that looks like uh, like one part Little Red Riding Hood and one part like Toad from Mario Brothers and one part like uh, evil. Like a, yeah, like an evil 90s child from like a creepy music video. Um, I'm thinking yes. of the Aphex Twin video for Come to Daddy if you want to really give yourself <laughs> nightmares. Um, go ahead I mean, and watch or- that video. Or if you've if you've if you watched uh, Squid Game, you'll know the kind of uh, the kind of uh, uh, little girl face we're talking about, the kind of evil that we're talking about. Yeah, um, it, it's it's like an evil trope. Um, I feel like I feel like we've all seen a cartoon character or a, a fictional character of some kind that looks like this. Um, but yeah, uh, Bork Bullet Kitakushu uh, put out a video about this mascot in which. The mascot attacks their head coach with a hammer, um, then does like a <laughs> dance in a patio outside, um, and then just sort of stalks around the city. And at some point, it becomes clear that the coach and one of the players of the team are actively trying to hide from the mascot out of fear of it, which means the team's <laughs> mascot is menacing and physically attacking the coach and and well the player doesn't get attacked but i mean he's close by he has to be concerned that the hammer might come for him as well um and there's no clarity as to why the mascot feels this way um i i kind of hope that they were, it has they had sold the player or fired the coach or something and it was just in their contract that they have to do a horror video um with the mascot upon the termination of of their employment there I mean, because that would be outstanding. We're talking about a futsal team that has like a professional level. Like this video is not like garbage. It, it this is a professional content team doing this video. It has like library music and not like library music. Like you typed in library music for for YouTube video and picked the first song you heard. Like they probably paid a licensing fee for the music. There are like. Uh, credits there are like 3d words appearing in the background as they introduce different neighborhoods around the city this thing looks better than a lot of mls teams uh content um and again we're talking about japanese futsal which is futsal is not a big deal in japan by comparison to other places it's bigger than in the u.s but it's not like equivalent to the j-league by any stretch of the imagination 
See, when Jason brought up that he was going to be talking about a mascot today, I thought he was going to uh, talk about one of the other uh, Japanese mascots that he has recently retweeted, uh, of which there are many. Um, uh, but the one I, I had in my mind was uh, Neo Buttercoon, who is a sentient butter roll, who is the mascot of a uh, butter roll company. And... Um, I'll retweet it right now as we're talking. So just go back on my Twitter or on Jason's Twitter and go look at him. Just the expression on this butter rolls face is just like one of pure uh, uh, nihilism, uh, one of pure uh, despair. It's, feeling, it's... Yeah, feeling has has drained out of this this butter roll through experience. Um, life they are life not been, exaggerating, you guys. Life has been especially brutal in some unknown and unstated way towards this butter roll. It has seen some things, and it is now just existing, trying to get through today. Um, is all it's there got left. Is oh, 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 or or maybe even more like a why was I created? Why was the spark of life put into me? I'm but a yes. butter roll. Why do I have a soul? I, sh- I should not be. Uh, I, I I want to know. I need to know more. I need a documentary film about this particular mascot. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Mascot Psychology podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We are all from blackandredunited.com, where we cover DC United, among some other teams. This podcast is about DC United, and that's what we've got for you tonight. Um, we have some off-season uh things to talk about in this first segment not a lot but some and then in the second segment we will have our good friend travis clark from top drawer soccer our our resident draft expert come in for his annual chat with us about the mls super d duper draft and uh a look in at the dc united academy as well before we do anything though ben what are you drinking tonight as you stare off into the abyss soulless like a bread roll um, so I, for uh, New Year's Eve, obviously we got a little bubbly and I still had some bubbly left over because, I mean, it was just me and my wife here for New Year's Eve because Omicron. And so we ate meats and cheeses and drank uh, Prosecco, but I wanted to make something with the leftover Prosecco. Uh, and it is not gin season, but I found a way to make a French 75 uh, with um, brandy instead of gin. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's it's bubbly of your choice. It's brandy. It's simple syrup, and then a dash of uh, citrus juice. And it's it's nice. It's it's a it's a nice, refreshing, light, uh, good drink. Excellent. I'm pro cocktail, so good job, Jason. What are you drinking? Uh, I also have a a cocktail, and I had to deal with the fact that it's the winter. Winter is back in a big way, unfortunately, for all of us, I think. Um, I mean, maybe for kids that enjoyed the sledding, but if you're like me, what you had to do was shuffle and just generally endure that it's like 20 degrees out. Um, And so to get over that, uh, I made myself a hot toddy with uh, some bourbon, uh, some lemon ginger tea, and of course, the customary honey and uh, lemon juice that goes in pretty much every hot toddy. I don't think you can make one without those two things. Like the rest of it is yep. kind of a, you can fudge the the alcohol or the type of tea or hot 
liquid conveyance that you're going with, but like without the honey and the lemon, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, some honey and lemon and hot water sounds pretty good to me right now. I'm just drinking uh, some club soda with lime tonight because I'm, I'm trying to get over an illness um, that, that may or may not be related to a, an, an ongoing pandemic that we've all been hyper aware of for going on two years now. Um, I'm vaxxed. I'm boosted. I'm, I'm fine. It's very minor symptoms, but uh, it doesn't feel great right now. So I'm not going to be drinking any alcohol <laughs> until I'm, I'm back to a hundred percent. But I am going to continue doing this podcast. So let's do that. Uh, it is the off season and there's not a lot of news news to, to talk about on the show. There's some, and we're going to, we're going to get to that. But uh, right now it's mostly rumors and, you know, uh, reports that don't always have sources attached to them, um, which I think probably qualifies them as rumors. Uh, the actual news, though, first up, Brendan Heinzeich was officially announced today as we record this. Uh, DC United has got him on a permanent transfer from Courtrai, the guys over in Belgium. <laughs> I could not shout it out, Jason, yeah. now that you've told the yeah. world. I mean, how could you not talk about it? Their player of the month is just called the guy of the month. Um, and their team is just the guys. Um, I which love it. Uh, is as good as it gets when it comes to nicknames, uh, let's be honest. I wish I had known that last season, but now I feel like you have to ask Heinzeich about it in, in an yeah, availability at some, at some point. We should have him on this <laughs> show and only ask him about, uh, only ask guy-related <laughs> questions. Uh, he is going to be in black and red. Uh, it's a two-year contract with two team-held options. Uh, Steve Goff reporting that the fee is not uh, a, a set number. It will be completely based on uh, incentives, I guess, or, or targets this year, mostly playing time, it sounds like, which uh, is interesting. You don't see that a lot, but um, – if you're DC United and he just lost half of last season to a freak hip injury, um, I understand wanting to to limit the downside risk on that side. And I guess good job getting it done. Yeah, uh, finding a way that, you know, if it, it, it doesn't sound like there was no one at the team that was very concerned with the long term implications of uh, his injury, he came back on the if anything i think it was like a game earlier than the initial time frame that they gave um or at least he was in uniform a game early um and then you know managed to play 90 minutes in the final game of the season didn't seem off in, in the, that game at all um not that that tfc game not that the uh, toronto put up much of a fuss or a test in that game they kind of were like ah mm-hmm. oh, we our season is over. Um, we've give, we've conceded. Let's let's pack it in. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think finding a way that you know you get a player that that and he told um, uh, it, Steve Goff got to speak with him in his piece about this, and he told he told him straight up. He said, "I went to the team and said um, before my hip injury, I said I want to be here in the future. Is there any way we can make that work?" Um, so obviously, it's what he wants. Um, the team obviously they made a move to him. So for him, so obviously they wanted it as well. Um, so it's good that, you know, they found a reasonable solution that everyone seems on board for um, that. Yeah. If he plays a lot, then, you know, Courtrade would be, it would be perfectly fair for them to get something. So um, 
you know, it's good on them that there's a way for them to get something. But uh, yeah, I, I think overall it's a pretty important move for DC to have made. Um, I think we've talked a lot on this show about not having enough defenders. And one of DC's defenders is someone who we know isn't going to play 34 games next year in Andy Nahar. Um, they just let Fred Briant go. So they're also, you know, one defender down compared to last year. Um, and Heinzeck was good um, in the first half of the season while before his hip injury. Um, it was to a point where it was like, well, when Burnbaum comes back and assuming Pines is healthy, if Heinzeck is also available, who's out? Um, whereas I think when he arrived, it was more like, okay, he'll probably start now but when Burnbaum comes back he probably won't start right. he'll probably be first man off the bench and instead it was more like he's probably he and Nahar are maybe further up in terms of who is definitely starting um than than Burnbaum and Pines so that's what you want when you go sign a um a player in their mid-20s at this point you're not looking hopefully you're not looking for just depth you're actually looking for someone that improves the squad and he came in and did that yeah you're looking and for I... a proper guy <laughs> yeah, and I, I I really enjoy the fact that uh, I like that he brings some of the dark arts to his play at center back. I feel like uh, that's a a skill DC United has been missing uh, for a minute. Uh, like uh, Bobby Boswell could obviously uh, uh, dark arts with the uh, Concacaf dark arts with the best of them in MLS, um, but he plays the game right up to the yellow card level and gets in the minds of opposing teams and, and helps uh, draw retaliations, uh, knocks people off of their rhythm. And I think that's a, in addition to his excellent uh, defending, his good passing, uh, I think that's also a skill that is good for DC United to have in its toolbox, especially like Steve Birnbaum isn't that guy. Uh, Donovan Pines isn't that guy. Uh, so it's good. Andy Nahar definitely isn't that guy. So it's nice to have uh, a center backs for all different sorts of situations on the team. Absolutely. Um, other reports, we're, we're, we're done with actual hard news well, that we know uh, is happening at this point. I do want to throw one other tactical application for Heinz Eich, which is that if you remember those first few games of the season before Nahar was um, up and running, Heinz Eich was actually he was the right center role. back. Yeah. And I would venture to say he is the other option who did the closest thing to what Nahar ended up doing. It's still not the same. He doesn't have the ability on the dribble, um, but there is a little more technical ability, I would say, and he's a little bit more comfortable passing in those higher areas. Um, and, well, and he's got a long range shot. We know. Yeah. And, and this is a team that needed the player in that role. Can't just, doesn't just go up high and that's it. They have to be able to do something while they're up there. Um, and based on the assemblage of the current roster, he is kind of important in that. Like if everyone's healthy, I assume he would be the central center back, um, with Nahar at right center back, but we know Nahar is not going to play every minute of every game. Um, having an alternative that is closer to what he brings was a thing we talked about a ton on the show last year. So um, getting him in and making sure he's going to be around, we're probably going to see him play uh, some real minutes at right center back through the course of the year because of the fact that we know that Nahar, even if everything goes great, is just not going to be a guy that goes does Ironman minutes. His, his body won't allow for it. And, 
and the team really the schedule won't allow for it either and the team shouldn't you know put him at risk because if they're going to win anything they're going to need him at the end um not in right. like week 12 so um having Heinzeich as that option to to play those two positions at a you know at one one level one position um probably the starter and at this second position right center back probably the second best option uh that's that's really not bad i don't think this was a dramatic transfer like i think everyone was kind of we kind of knew it was going to happen but it is good that it's happened it's settled it's not dragging into preseason we're not like what's going on with this one this one's done it's very different than uh, the Michelin saga with Bill Hamid. Right. Yeah. Or, or or even going last year to preseason and being like, you know, Tony Alfaro came in very late in the preseason as a trialist. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, we were like, does this team have enough defenders? Um, and it was, he was a late addition to the group. Um, it's nice to not necessarily have to go into the preseason thinking about that and having the team overall, not that they don't have, they have more work to do certainly, but in the back, at least they don't have to enter preseason thinking like we got to sign some guys just to have enough guys uh, to keep saying the word guy <laughs> over and over again on this podcast. We're just going to um, go back to core and just dip in that. Well, yeah, why not? What other guys do they have? Uh, see, I, <laughs> all I, they have are guys. Jason. Yeah. It's 100% guys. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, to have that settled at the back means they don't have to spend as much time on the basics last year was all about the basics and losada talked about how it was going to take a whole lot of time working on team shape team decision making all this other stuff but now the guys in the back it's all familiar um the defenders are all guys that were here before and for the most part guys that played these are these are players that had serious minutes all season long so um no one's coming in or no one's going to have a reason or an excuse for not playing well from a lack of familiarity at the back. Um, this is a group that knows each other. They know the system. This helps settle that. And it means that United doesn't have to go into the season saying like, we could use a starting defender because um, they've just, they've got one who's already been here and already played in the system and was by all accounts, you know, trying to make sure he was, you know, he wasn't just passively watching the games while he was doing his rehab. He was also like studying up on how the team plays, how they're evolving, all that stuff. So uh, from that perspective, I think, you know, it's, it sets the group up, not just on a roster building perspective, but a like, what can they do in preseason? What points can they hit? They, they don't have to do the 100 level classes anymore. Um, they don't have to bring someone up to speed. It's just, these guys are all here. They all get it. They've all been through it. Now we can do the advanced stuff. Other things that have been reported or or rumored, <clears throat> uh, but not official yet, maybe they will be in the coming days um, are, are Gaston Samake, who we talked about um, played for loudness to your left wing back. He's been signed or he, we think he's, he's likely no, no, he's, he's reportedly. No, no, no. He's been oh, officially he, signed for a while. He's done. Okay. Yeah. He's official. The one that's not uh, official yet coming from Loudon is Theodore Coup di Pietro homegrown guy, DC United Academy product. Uh, you will hear me call him Teddy KDP a lot because how can you not it's an obvious I mean, thing. You... and he looks like a good player so there's a reason yeah. to shout out something shorter than theodore coup di pietro when you're yeah. an, ex- uh, an excited one mode. of one of the by by american soccer analysis is a goals added metric well i think he was sixth or seventh in the entire usl championship 
Um, so yes, Loudon struggled. On a very bad team. Yes, but he did not struggle. He was one of the best players in that entire league. Um, so not just a player who shined for Loudon, but a player who shined for the USL altogether. Um, and is you know this is kind of a good proof of concept for academy players who don't get that homegrown offer at 16 or 17, um, where there's still the avenue of if you go to Loudon and you grow as a player and you you really you know show your professionalism and all this other stuff. Um, there's still an avenue for you to make it. It's not at 16, we're making our decision on you forever. Um, and now they have that player where they can say like, listen, Kudi Pietro didn't get a homegrown offer. We only offered him a Loudon deal and look what he did with it. Um, so a good example. And also a guy that can play, what, one, two, three, six positions in the three, four, three. Um, so, you know, someone someone who can fit into a lot of spots for, for Losada, and I think had trained, um, I don't know if he trained with the team last year because of the COVID situation, but um, definitely someone that they've had their eye on this past year. Um, and the performance is definitely merited. Uh, he was going to move up and level somehow. Uh, and so the fact that it's with DC and not, you know, a lot of Loudon guys that played well in 2019 or in, in 2020 ended up, if you watched the USL playoffs this year, you probably saw a lot of Loudon guys on USL playoff teams. Kyle Murphy was one of the top scorers. Uh, Elvis Amo, uh, I believe, won the championship, um, if I've got my teams in my head correct. Um, yeah, a few guys that were at that team moved on to bigger things in the USL with independent clubs getting a raise. Um, but the obvious goal here for a player like him is stepping up to the MLS level, and he might have been looking to do it elsewhere. I don't know. That's me speculating. Um, but if you're his age and you have that kind of season in the USL championship, it is time to move up at that point. There's no point in you continuing to stay at that level. So um, expect him to come up and not just be a guy on the roster, but actually someone who is like in contention to get into, get into the game day squad. I, I was about to say 20 when I realized I don't know if MLS is going to do that for another year. I hope so. The, the yeah. extra players and the extra subs are a good idea because the world is still in a pandemic, but a lot of times we just decide as a society, I don't believe it. Um, and we carry on as if, <laughs> or maybe you're the, what is it? The Premier League stopped doing uh, yeah. five subs, right? Yeah. So yeah, you can it's, be... it's a very English notion. I was going to say, it's like, well, yeah. time to go back to the way things were. Not right. because it was better the then, lip. but because that's how they were. Right. Well, well, it's important to keep your traditions in the face of uh, obvious uh, deterrence. Yeah. I, I, I said it last week or it, whenever show we talked about the the schedule release and the schedule is a little friendlier to playing soccer next year, but it, there it's still a ridiculous amount of travel in MLS and five subs is a good development. I think just generally at this point, we've seen it doesn't ruin games. So let's keep doing it. Um, another bit of rumor. This is much more in the, the realm of rumor. Paul Ariola. uh, is the target of some clubs somewhere. We, we talked about the LA galaxy apparently uh, approaching his agent and potentially talking to DC United about a move. Uh, the latest reports are that Cholos and club America in Mexico are both also pursuing him um, through Steve Goff. The team basically knocked these rumors down right away um, yeah. and said like, n- not even positioning, like he's an important part of our team that, we can't let go for the discussed amounts. It was just like, he's not for sale. 
he's he's a leader on the field for us next year. Right. And, you yeah. know, I, I, I've heard separately that the Club America rumor seems kind of um, flimsy from people who have their years towards Mexican soccer. Um, so they're kind of like, yeah, we're not sure where that one came from. Probably not from down here. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think I think Ariel is going to play for D.C., keeping in mind it is uh, as much as you might have missed it on New Year's Day when a thousand people uh, all tweeted the same thing, which is that it's a men's World Cup year. Um, I personally do not share their enthusiasm for that concept uh, and did not want to think about it on January 1st at all. But it is relevant to this conversation because Paul Ariola is in the picture for the national team, but he's not like a lock to make that squad. Um, if he transfers somewhere at this point in time and loses playing time, it's very easy to see him falling just short of making that uh, roster at the end of this year. So you would imagine that what he would want as players worldwide with the national team questions in their mind, what they want in a World Cup year is stability. Um, and DC United would offer him stability that a move to Club America would certainly not. And I, I don't, don't know Sholos's roster as well, so I'm not going to say exactly what's going on there. But I, you know, Club America, his playing time would drop. Um, and I don't think that's a good way to keep yourself in the national team picture. So I assume he's actually going to stay in that these rumors are just rumors is what I'm getting at. Uh, last rumor we're going to talk about at this point uh, is uh, reports out of Ghana that DC United is pursuing uh, Ghana international Yaboa, 24 year old playing for uh, Wisła Krakow uh, over in the Polish league. Um the crew are reportedly also pursuing him and may have the inside track is the latest reports. He's uh, an outside attacker, 24 years old, um, seems to have lots of pace. His sizzle reel was was a little bit more compelling than most than I can recall as far as highlighting a range of skills and um, not just uh, the same play over and over, um, which happened to result in a goal or a pass to someone How'd else that feel? didn't How result did in a feel? goal. How do you feel about the music on the sizzle reel? I, at this point, I don't even hear the music on sizzle reels. <laughs> I like, as soon as I start watching a sizzle reel, my brain just tunes out the music. I think <laughs> that's fair. Um, yeah, this is a uh, one that's also been mentioned in the Polish media, which they would know. This is a, uh, Krakow is a big, it's a very big club in Poland. Um, historically speaking anyway, I, I don't know if they're as big as they used to be. It's one of those situations, but, um, yeah, I, I have heard a couple of, I've, I've talked to a couple of people that are more familiar with that part of the world soccer, and they have kind of said that this thing about this report about the crew, maybe being in the lead does seem to have some legs to it. Um, at one point I had someone telling me that DC was going to be talk, in talks with Yaboa about a contract very soon. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, the crew are in the lead, um, so as these things tend to change, you know, who knows if it's an agent or one of the clubs or both clubs uh, informing people. Um, I haven't heard anything about this from the U.S. is what I will say. Um, it's been people who know uh, soccer in Poland uh, who have been talking about it a little bit more and reading the Ghanaian press reports. Um, but, you know, the the thing I would say, and I'm glad, Adam, that you brought this up right after we talked about Areola, is that if Ariola is sticking around, it seems to be a kind of a costly transfer 
Um, I had one person tell me earlier today uh, between 1.3 and 1.5 euro uh, million euros was the not not 1.3 euros. Then the transfer fee <laughs> okay. is not really a problem. A buck, um, a buck thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, that that's a transfer fee that you're probably not paying if Ariola and Edison Flores are already here. Um, you're you're maybe looking for more of a TAM player like Nigel Roberto's transfer fee was lower than that when you do the the um, exchange rate. So um, I have my doubts on this one even before the thing suddenly changed. I think today to it being about Columbus. Um, so seems like it's less than likely, but it is an interesting idea that um, DC and MLS teams in general seem to be you know, not just going to Eastern Europe looking for players, but maybe they're going after better players in that part of the world. Guys that are not just a starter on their random team in that part of the world, but are like a key player on their team. Um, you know, we saw with Nigel Roberta in Bulgaria where he was like their offense um, with Lesky yeah. Sofia. Um, it seemed like every game was like Nigel Roberta scores two and gets an assist. Um, that's... I don't know if Yuboa is quite at that level, but also the Polish league is a better league than the Bulgarian league. So um, you have to make that sort of judgment call. Cause if we're being honest, I don't think any of us have watched the Bulgarian or Polish <laughs> leagues recently. Um, but their reputation is that the Polish league is stronger than the Bulgarian league. But again, it seems like if Ariola's sticking around, this is a price point that they're not, probably not looking at. Cause then you've got three designated players competing for two one or two spots in the lineup based on Losada's formations in the past. Um, I I have my doubts about this one, but um, I, I think they're going to do something. I think they have to do something because they lost Jordi Reyna. They lost Jamil Assad. Um, you have, you don't necessarily have to replace those guys with designated players, but you do have to replace them with equivalent or better players. Um, you can't, just be like, well, we'll find some guys that are roughly similar, but maybe aren't quite as good. That's not going to get you take allow you to take the, take that next step, especially when right. Losada has publicly called for investment, not just players, but like money. You got to spend money on the players. Um, yes, and so it's good to see DC link to a player that will cost some money, um, but at this specific player profile of a winger attacking wide player uh profile i don't think that that's where the money is going to go i think it will be spent elsewhere if it's going to be spent a couple of guys with mls experience would are are available as free agents right now probably for tam money um or you, you might be able to get them for tam money sebastian blanco is sounds like fallen out with the Portland Timbers, which is a, a shock because he was really important for them. And Albert Rusnak is out of contract with RSL. The, Reportedly Rusnak, Seattle is yeah. pursuing him. Um but but yeah, it's not Blanco, done yet. So if if they could find a way to get Blanco in and obviously that would the unspoken thing about that is that if you sign Blanco you probably have to move Edison Flores along. Um because at that point he's probably not starting and you're paying millions of dollars for a guy who's not even a starter at that point. Um, but yeah, you do that. Um, you take that new problem of having to find a landing spot for Flores, who is still unproven in MLS, which after a certain mm -hmm. amount of time of being unproven is proof. Um, there's big pressure on him to be much better and also just healthier um, this season. But yeah, if you find, if you can find a way to get Blanco in 
we're spec. You know, this is not a rumor so much as a wish list. Um, yeah. we moved but, beyond uh, yeah. rumors to even more speculative. Yeah. Um, but yeah, of of course, like Blanco's one of the best game changing players in the league. He's pretty much the only reason Portland has been competitive for the last two years because otherwise they are very average in a whole bunch of ways. It's just that they have. It's kind of like a better version of DC in the Fabiana Spindola days where the rest of the team is kind of like, okay. And is good at not making big mistakes, but you have to have the one guy that can do all of the offensive creativity and, and game breaking moments. Blanco is better than a Spindola is the thing um, by a, a healthy margin. So yeah, I, if DC was like, yes, we'd like to sign Sebastian Blanco. I'd be all about it. Um, I don't know that they will. Uh, but the reporting is that Blanco thought he had a deal with Portland and then they changed the the terms on him and he is maybe not so happy about that. So we'll see. It's kind of what it's one of those. It's kind of playing out in the media, too, is the other thing. Um, the way the reporting is like the story is being moved along by tweets, not. And it's yes. like Blanco's camp thinks this and Portland's camp thinks that. Um so who knows? Uh, but yeah, if if you're an ML, if you're any MLS team other than maybe the Revs, um, you should be like, let's let's at least kick the idea of signing Blanco around. What would we do to make that happen? How do we make that one work? And he is a free agent, right? I didn't make that up. He's uh, that part. I'm not sure of. I'd have to look at the. I don't know if he has the time and service requirement met or or not. But um, yeah, if he's a free agent, you don't have to pay portland anything for his rights then uh it seems like right. a beyond a no-brainer to to get it done that's it for this segment if... oh go ahead ben i was just gonna Not say it. i don't know if we talked i don't know if we talked about it on the show but uh it seems like uh we've we've alluded to it but yeah it seems like uh, Felipe is not happy with, based on his social media, with uh, DC yeah. United's offer to him and the offer of playing time. So it seems more and more likely that Felipe will not be coming back. Yeah, yeah so. and you never know. Like, like Felipe uses social media much more than most MLS players, so it might have been him being like, "Let's give them a nudge and get this thing rolling," um, with with some public pressure, or might have just been an expression of frustration. Um, that side of things has been very quiet since since the team announced their roster decisions um, where they said, yeah, these are the guys that aren't coming back and these are the guys that we've offered deals or in talks with. Um, I believe it was Moreno had been offered a deal, whereas Felipe and John Kepin were just in the in talks uh, level. Um, yeah. So who knows? Um, I will say if you only re-sign one of Felipe or uh, Junior Moreno, then – you kind of have to do something. You either have to commit. Well, I think we've talked about this. You either have to commit to Moses Nyam in full time, or you have to go do something at that position. Um, and not. And at that point, if you're not going to commit to Nyam in full time, then you kind of have to spend some money at that position. That becomes a yeah. like, let's go get a let's go get a Joao Paulo from Seattle. You know, someone in that league. Um, because you see how much of a difference um, he makes for the Sounders. Not. I mean, I mean if you are unsure about that, ask any Sounders fan about how they feel about Joao Paulo and they'll tell you he's the right. best player in MLS history. And they might overstate um, how good he but is. He was, but like, he's a best not a lot of defensive mid, Not a lot of defensive midfielders get MVP nods from, well, from he should, people first who are of all, paying he attention. Not have, he should not have been getting MVP talk. Uh, he should not have gotten a single vote. Um, best 11, yes. MVP, no. 
Um, not right. close. But Seattle can make things happen on a national media scale that only Atlanta, uh, Seattle and Atlanta have a unique ability to push the uh, the way players are talked about in the league in a way that the rest of the leagues, uh, the teams in the league do not. Um, so <laughs> I can't blame them for pushing it because we've certainly made our attempts to push for DC players to get recognized. And uh, in this particular instance, we can talk about how Julian Gressel didn't make the best 11, which I think is stupid. Absurd. Uh, is, uh, yeah. Yep, ridiculous. But um, we aren't Seattle. Uh, and so and in any case, um, a player of Joao Paulo's uh, caliber uh, would be huge for DC. But, you know, do you spend that money there if you've got Felipe and Junior Moreno? Probably not, because you've got a bunch of central midfielders on the roster at that point. Um, but if your two most experienced starters to play alongside Russell Knauss are both gone, then you absolutely need to do something. Um, and if only one of them is gone, then you probably should consider doing something anyway. Um, yeah. Especially, especially with as much as they ask of those two central midfielders, yeah, exactly. if they keep the three four three, those two guys have to be on lock, yeah, for the entire game. So, on that note, we will call it a segment. We will be right back after the break with Travis Clark to talk about the MLS Super Draft and DC United Academy. Stick around. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster welcome back to filibuster with the new mls season kicking off in less than two months somehow the Always and forever super draft goes down literally next week on January 11th, which on this show can mean only one thing. Travis Clark from Top Drawers Soccer is here to help us preview the superest draft in all the land and also to give us a little update on the DC United Academy. Travis, welcome back to Filibuster. Thanks. Happy to be back here. What are you drinking tonight? What am I drinking? I'm not currently drinking anything, but over the holiday break, I've enjoyed a lot of, uh, Port City's Holiday Seasonal Ale and Shinerbach. I don't know. That's not really Virginia. That's more. That's Texas. But the Shinerbach Holiday Ale. So finishing those those off my fridge, but not currently as we speak. Nice. Uh, I grabbed some Port City's Porter uh, for my father-in-law when they came into town for the holidays, and he was he was very grateful for it. He enjoyed that one. Yeah, it's tasty if you live in the area. And this is not an ad. I'm not being compensated in any way. But if you're <laughs> listening and you live in the 
DMV. I don't know if they do they distribute down in Richmond. Yeah. Okay. So, but anyway, if you're in the Virginia, Maryland, DC area, it's very good beer. Check it out, Port City. And if you're listening and are associated with Port City, <laughs> filibusterpodcast at gmail dot com is the place to hit us up for advertising. Perfect. Inquiries. That's what that's what I was really trying to do is just to cue you up for uh, soliciting some advertising. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's one of the things that <laughs> that's makes why you a great that's guest. why I'm here, right? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. We okay. have you here every year just to set us up for those. Uh, it's DC United. Work. This time it's going to work. Yeah, this this time <laughs> this is the one. We have ten years of practice behind us. We are going to get it right this time. Um, looking at the Super Draft, DC United have their natural thirteenth pick in all three rounds. But before we get that deep, I want to look closer to the top of the draft board. Who's in contention for that number one spot? Yeah, it'll as it usually is. It'll come down to the Generation Adidas class. We don't have the official word from MLS. I've heard that it'll be six players, three from St. Louis, uh, Kip Keller, Patrick Schulte, Isaiah Parker. Then you have another goalkeeper from Indiana, Roman Salentano. Um, I may forget some of these guys. Thor Olferson from Duke, who's an Icelandic forward. And the sixth name is escaping me at the moment, but you're likely to see one of those six guys be in consideration. I would probably... If you're if you're looking at the number one pick, who is a Charlotte FC has it, mm-hmm. I think you can you can glean a couple of things from that. Uh, first thing, I think their entire roster is international, so they're not going to draft the international college players that we see that can go higher. You know, look at Julian Gressel; he's a good example. While he wasn't drafted by DC, he was, I believe, the number eight pick by Atlanta mm-hmm. United back in 2018. I don't know if that date is correct or not. Maybe 2017. Anyway. Um, you're probably not going to see Charlotte pick that. So my my sort of process has led me to it's either going to be Kip Keller, he's a center back, domestic, pretty decent player, um, good upside, could work out. Uh, he or Isaiah Parker, who's one of the more surprising, not not in like a surprise that uh, you know I don't know who he is, but more like before the college season, he's a you know an Illinois Chicago area player played at a club called FC United, and wasn't a great really name. Youth- <laughs> FC United, everyone knows where they're from. <laughs> that, I'm surprised there isn't an MLS team yet called it FC might be, United. It might Give be it FC United. In their defense, it might be FC United of Chicago, but in our like club system, it's just yeah, FC yeah. United in parentheses. <laughs> IL for Illinois. So mm. that's how I know who it's from. I guess I should have seen We need more clubs most, with parentheses in their name most nerd, at the top level. I think that's that's like the TDS style. That's not the. Yeah. the I think it's FC United. No, Chicago, I'm saying it needs to happen. I, it, I appreciate that it's the style, but I think it should be official for some of anyway, these clubs. Anyway, Parker is an interesting story because he's kind of come from nowhere. He's like a little bit of a Charlie Davies story. He was a wrestler in high school as well as a soccer player, which is mm. like super, even more rare nowadays because. You, the the emphasis is always on like you know one sport specialties not just in soccer but across like development insane parent parental development worlds that people are in so you know he's a guy I I, I kind of lean towards Parker just because he's a little bit he seems like more of an upside play there were a few players I don't know Jason if you watched him at all play this year but just, a, you're the, just in the tournament yeah but yeah. and he may not have been at his best I actually didn't see. Mm. 
I don't think I watched him in the tournament, but earlier in the season, I caught a wound of him because he's like, he looked, he played like he was shot out of a cannon, sort of. And it's like, yeah. okay, left sided attacking player could be a left back, but just there's a lot more to work with than, you know, most college domestic players that you see nowadays. So, um, oh, Usani Buddha, that's the other one, Stanford Ford. Mm. I think he's a guy that has that same, similar sort of upside vibe as Parker, but he's an international and Charlotte's like I said before, less likely to go that route. So those are the six names. There could be another addition. Celio Pompeo from Virginia Commonwealth is another name that I've heard. Um, they, you know, they've had a MLS has sort of quietly continued on doing a combine, but it's very small and usually around the college cup. So, um, you know, they invite a bunch of underclassmen, you know, Maryland, just to go local, Josh, Josh Bulma, Ben Bender were both there for mm-hmm. Maryland. I believe uh, Malcolm Johnston, Alistair's little brother who plays for the Terps, but mm-hmm. I'm not expecting any of those three to, unless they're late additions to the class, I believe all our underclassmen would have to sign as GA. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that, that's kind of what the top is. And then it's kind of hilarious that FC Cincinnati is picking number two overall again. And I'm like, Really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this I'm point, you might mad. as well just chalk them up for for next year as well. Uh, no matter what they do, it's just inevitable. Should we just? I mean, put if there hadn't Jason, been so much we... expansion, they would have got the top pick and wouldn't have finished last three years in a row. <laughs> no, hey, yeah. Jason, can we just take the entire Maryland Terps and put them in MLS instead of FC Cincinnati next year and see if anybody notices the difference? I mean, I would probably notice the difference because I w- what I would see is every time I saw them in person, it would happen to be like bad weather and some sort of astounding, <laughs> unlikely goal would put them out of whatever they're trying to do. Um, so I would be like, hold on, I've been I've seen this like several times in the last couple of years. I'm starting to think uh, I sense a pattern okay, here. It, wasn't Gressel on that team that knocked out Providence? Uh, sorry, that yes, on that Providence uh, team Ma- that knocked out Maryland that year. Maryland was up four one uh, with like. <laughs> 15 minutes left to play and lost in overtime 5-4. Um, wow. Uh, on And, like, to, to relive it, to, to relive the horror per, fully, uh, Providence scored a goal, and it was like, okay, fine, it's 4-2, no big deal. And then within 30 seconds, uh, a guy just, like, tried to hoof the ball into the box from, like, 45 yards out, and it got caught in the wind and flew into the upper corner. And yeah, it was, like, all a, this... an insanely windy day across, like, yeah. the entire region. I, like, remember the wind that day. Yeah. This is well. This is also how they got knocked out of this year's tournament. It was just from yes. the other side of the field, and the wind gust caught a late. It was like 88th minute. Um, yeah, a, a late like the guy cut in and was like, "I have no help. I'm going to have a go. It's slippery. Maybe something will happen." And it, something happened. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would notice after five or six of those, I'd be like, "Hold on a second, uh, FC Cincinnati. I, I think- this is not your normal calamity. This is a different calamity." Jason, you should just stop watching Terp soccer in person, I think. I, I might. I mean, honestly, my record over the past, like, six or seven years is, like, it's it, it reduces their record when I'm around to, like, 500. Um, and they win most of the time. And yet I come around and it's like they'll lose to Delaware at home, which they did while I was there. Um, and, and on and on. So maybe I should. Sasha Sarovsky just has a huge... Uh, wanted ad of Jason in his office with a big X through it. Right. Or, or yeah. like Donovan Pines, dad will be at the stadium looking out for me and be like, I'm the president of this university, which he is. 
and he'll say you you can't come in and i'll be like fair enough <laughs> get the maryland uh student section to get a tifo go home jason i mean they might do it um they they, they an absurdist uh tifo or chant is like right up their alley so anyway if you're listening college students make it happen uh travis uh DC United right now only has one goalkeeper signed. Uh, obviously, that's that's Bill Hamid, legend around these parts. Uh, would you think either of the the two GA goalkeepers, Patrick Schultz or Roman Salatano, is worth trading up for? I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure you'd have to trade up for him. Uh, and okay, I feel like so many teams would be looking to give away their draft picks that. You you don't have to be eager like you were. Was it last year when they traded in right after picking Kamani Smith and picked Michael DeShields, and then mm-hmm. um, he's already been cut from the team, which is like you know a reminder of the it, the MLS draft is super weird in that like there are still national team players that have literally come through the draft, mm-hmm. like you know Miles Robinson's a good example. There's not a lot, and there's not a lot out there, but they're you know, the, the, I, it's just hard to make a, make a value play. Right? If it's like 50K of allocation money for the eighth pick, I think you do that. I think you're good. If you wanted to pick a goalkeeper in the first round, you can, there's some maybe at 13. There's like, you know, they're, they're, I don't want to say they're dime a dozen. You know, there's some decent goalkeepers out there, you know, who aren't in the GA class, or there's a solid chance that one of the GA goalkeepers is there. And if they, you know, one thing that I was told by, by a source is that, a couple like the slew players are good. The St. Louis players are good, but one of the reasons why there's three of them is that the new team in 2023 wanted to like claim them as homegrown players. So this is just like MLS teams mm. being petty and say, no, no, we're going to sign them as GA players and just give them better offers. <laughs> so I haven't verified that. I don't know how true it is, but it seems so MLS. It's like, it has to be true. Right. So that has to be um, true. Cause Schulte and Keller are both local St. Louis players right. too. So, and I'm, I don't think that Parker would be necessarily, he'd probably be more in the fire homegrown territory, but um, that, you know, is worth keeping in mind. You know, there's, there's, you know, Will Meyer at Akron, Alex Meir at UNC. These are guys who are, you know, solid, good pedigree, good, good goalkeepers. You know, you could even, there's a, a, a long list of international goalkeepers. DC doesn't seem to have, many international spots and you'd hope that they would sign international players, but if they're not, they could look to go that route with, with some of the seniors that are out there. So uh, I, I hate personally evaluating goalkeepers, but they're, you know, Salentano and Schulte are both, I'd say in more of the upside play need a few years, but at the same time you have Bill Hamid. So you don't necessarily need a goalkeeper anytime soon. The, uh, the one kid at Americans pretty good too. He's a homegrown Academy guy, Lorenzo Gordon. Mm-hmm. So he's somebody that you could he's also trained, he's trained with uh DC in preseason, I think not this past year, but the year before that. Yeah, he was um, a fresh uh, I think he was a fresh I'm, I'm getting my years confused now. Everything's just really blending together. Yeah. But I think he was a freshman in 2020, 21. Mm-hmm. So in the fresh the preseason 2020, he would have trained with DC's. I think he might have either played or been on the bench for Loudon during that year too. And then, you know, but sort of like go back, well, that doesn't address your need for 22. Like he's another goalkeeper you can earmark and say, well, if we think this guy's going to progress to a point where he can at least compete for a spot, 
then maybe picking a GA goalkeeper is not. So oddly enough, I, I haven't really like, I don't dive super into team needs on draft anymore because it's pretty foolish of an exercise, right? Because teams can go out, sign free agents. They can go out and bring in international signings. But um, the one the one spot in the, in the, well, the one position in the draft, I'm not sure how, what DC's needs are, is center back. There's like a million of them, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys that are intriguing enough, have enough of a skill set that they, you know, at, at 13, hey, we could pick this guy, see how it works out, or he goes to USL or whatever. Or right. I don't think DC's not playing in the new MLS Next Pro Reserve Next League, right? <laughs> well, so that's no, uh, next year. Yeah, that's next year, next Loudon's year. still playing USL Championship. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure how that tweaks the roster build or changes anything because you'll probably just play most of their U17 team anyway or U19 team. Mm-hmm. But um, there's, you know, there there, there there is a chance that a generation of youth player could be there. You know, I, I'd say it's if there's especially a six, that's a little bit more than there's been. It's usually been four or five the past few years. Mm-hmm. I think that flexibility is always something teams are looking for. But you know, it kind of, kind of depends who's there and what DC is looking to do because it's it's really hard to read. Especially there's not a lot of. Um, Losada type players in the college soccer game, right? Right. Yeah. It's. It's. I mean, the schedule really doesn't allow it. Like the college schedule is still basically a like we're gonna we're gonna grind everyone into a pulp not by making them do more running, but just by the fact that there's a game every several every hours. Other day. Yeah. Um. It's interesting. <laughs> it was you like 2021 for MLS. Yeah. Exactly. Except like shorter. Um. Shorter yes. time span. Um. But uh, Travis, you mentioned um, center back, which got me thinking of not so much DC, where with Brendan Hines, like um, that deal going official today, um, DC's probably got close to, if not actually enough uh, for that spot. But Loudon pretty notoriously uh, couldn't keep goals off the board last year. So if if they wanted to draft a center back based on like well, who 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 do we have a hole somewhere in the organization where we can plug them in and they're going to play a ton. Um, it does seem like that that possibility is there and also defensive midfield. Um, uh, Jeremy Garay getting a homegrown contract, homegrown contract, but Loudon was also not super good defending through the midfield. Um, and if Garay is now up on the DC level, you've got Junior Moreno and Felipe both out of contract, nothing, no movement there. Um, maybe there's somewhere, you know, somewhere in the organization you say, this is another avenue for uh, a player to jump in. Um, and, and, you know, like you said before, picking, uh, picking for need at this point in time is, is pretty much not done, uh, in MLS, unless you're Cincinnati. Um, it really is best player available for everyone all the time. Yeah, I mean that's that's one way to approach it, or it's like the best player that whatever agent friend they're with tells them to pick, right? Or whatever you know. It'd be really I've never I've I've never approached it with I don't have a lot of you know contacts from MLS teams. I kind of try to keep it that way, so because that lets you avoid bias, and mm. in some ways it'd be better if I presented information with a little more of that side of the knowledge. But I know enough people, whether it's college coaches or know scouts or whatnot that you can you can kind of paint paint a picture if you will but 
you know, it's funny you talk about holding midfielders because I don't, there's not a lot of players that I'm like, you know, Ben Bender would be somebody that I would be interested in if I run an MLS team and I needed some, like a development player for a GA, but he's staying in Maryland, which, you know, for him, as far as I understand, I think that he must have had some kind of injury or knock because he went to the, like, the showcase thing but didn't mm-hmm. play. Um, one name, you know, again, going back to the international player, Sofiane Jafal, his name I just butchered, is a French midfielder from Oregon State. And he's, you know, he always has struck me as a little bit, you know, he, he's on a, on a level that could make him an interesting player in MLS. He's not quite the, you know, the dynamic engine. And, you know, for a lot of these guys who are in internationals, the other thing that's tricky to figure out is, okay, you're you're 25 years old and you're a senior. So mm-hmm. are you really good against a bunch of 18 to 19 and 20-year-old Americans because you're 25 years old and you're, like, more physically developed? Um, you know, they come to America as a 20, 21-year-old. You know, so their technical level is going to be not just good because of their background, but also because of their age. So mm-hmm. I think Javal is not a, as old as some of You know, when his teammate is you know, Tyra Mondi, and he's a 98. I mean, he's an interesting player, but he's like – there was one one striker from Africa, I believe it was twenty six or twenty seven during a draft. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a wild side of it. But yeah, there's not I a lot of like someone took that guy, right? Like I I seem to remember that player being selected by I want to say Chicago or something like that. Yeah, I mean there's actually been I think multiple players in their mid to late twenties <laughs> that have been drafted. Right. Which is always funny to me. And like it doesn't matter necessarily a good player is a good player, but sure. if you're approaching it from a we want to add a roster flexibility to our team or up and coming player, like your up and coming players or your 15 year old Academy, as weird as that sounds. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that DC's approach will be pretty fascinating, but I, I don't necessarily see a lot of like holding midfielder types out there. I'll have to dig really deep into the, the draft pool, but you know, you have a long list of players that, you know, Asai easily from Grand Canyon, Ahmed Longmire, UCLA, who missed a lot of the season. I'm curious to see what happens to him. I had somebody message me who says that he could have a Miles Robinson-like career. So hmm. um, Philip Quinton is a player that Notre Dame is, is pretty big on, and he's literally pretty big. He's six foot six. Um, <laughs> then also saying local-ish, Navy men's soccer center back uh matt nosita is six foot eight according to the right and like you watch him play and he's not like this big stiff dude mm-hmm. he's like pretty athletic and moves kind of well so i'll be curious to see this um, is a navy tradition in a way too uh <laughs> thinking back to joe greenspan being like six foot five yeah um they, they just have a... always have a giant at center back so yeah, this is really the year where for the service academies in the mls draft uh there's a the whack men's player of the year Tristan Traeger, who's this interesting Ford from California. There's another Ford from Navy, Jacob Williams, who's like from pretty close to where you are. Old Mill High School is where he went to. I was looking at him okay. today because from Anne Arundel County, uh, mm-hmm. where my wife is from. And oh, uh, there's this, uh, the Army's number 10 is from New York, and he's this player, Oscar Pereira. That I'm, I'm intrigued to see if any of them get drafted. And the, mm-hmm. the thing is, like, even if the service time, you were allowed to like actually go pro and try that out first as long as you have a contract, but none of these guys are going to get contracts because they'll probably have right. to finish school. So it's like, well, we'll see what happens. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, 
I'm now I'm rambling about random players from Service Academy. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> one more random player question. Um, it's been they've been few and far between, but players like Chris Wondolowski were famously taken pretty late in the draft and panned out. Do you want to put your finger on anyone who who's not going to be a first round pick this year who might pan out in MLS and you know won't become the all time leading goal scorer probably, but might uh it, you know make a first team roster and become a an MLS regular in a few years? Yeah, I mean that's that's super tough to call at this point and if i knew i would probably sell that information to an mls team <laughs> um not even subscribers think, would get it that would be yeah, exactly you know one guy i'm curious to see and i think he could you know in the right place he could, he could end up going in the first round because he's a six center back a center back and he's over six three um he's got a really unique story though ryan sailor from the university of washington um he like didn't play any at all his first three seasons and then just helped Washington win, make the national championship. They didn't win. They lost to Clemson, but he was the PAC 12 defensive player of the year. So again, that like there's a little bit more of a profile. He's not as much of a sleeper, but um, you know, he's big enough. He, you know, UW knows how to make defenders. If there, that's one thing that um, they do well out there, you know, along with the, the Christian role bands as well. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that I think could end up slipping just because of that, like, people will be like, if they don't, if they look beyond 2020, 2021, they say, like, why didn't you play? And then maybe their perception, like, dips a little bit of him. So um, I think he's somebody that he's he's been in that position before where if he has to come in and work for a spot and wait for his time, he's done it. So that's kind of why Ryan Saylor is a name to remember. Uh, Turning to oh, oh, go, ahead. go ahead, Jason. Oh, my my question was just uh, you've mentioned a couple of the other you know local colleges, not just Maryland. You mentioned VCU. Um, are there any players from the the DMV colleges that you feel like need to get uh, recognized here, not just for DC purposes, but just in general of like the likelihood of being drafted? Yeah, I think that you know the, the one of the other tricky things that I haven't mentioned is the the pandemic created the NCAA rule where like basically if you're a senior in the fall of 2021 you play again in 22 so it's actually a little bit difficult to be like okay are you going to be in the draft and of course MLS and its transparency won't put out a list until the night before yeah um you know I think uh VCU has a Jamaican center back called Zaren Sewell he you know he has that international tag he's I mean, he's decent and at a good enough level where, again, I don't know what the, what the status of these roster builds are and the roster rules for the... My understanding is that like MLS teams won't be allowed to basically just trot out 15-year-olds like a lot of them have been doing. So, you know, will some of these drafted players actually get more of a chance than they did? Which doesn't kind of make any sense to me. Um, but Zero and Sewell at VCU, oddly enough, the University of Virginia had a pretty shocking year by their standards and I can't think of a single player that comes to mind though it should be also noted a lot of their players who are decent prospects are homegrown kids like and then you know you got a Georgetown Sean Zawatsky Dante Polvara they're both um what's the word they're both they both came through MLS academies Zawatsky Mm -hmm. I would expect the crew to sign him to a homegrown deal 
and then Paul Barzellini, a junior, and would go to New York City FC. I guess their goalkeeper, Giannis Nikopoulidis, is another one of those international goalkeepers. His mm-hmm. dad actually played goalkeeper for Greece when they won the Euros in 2004. Random fact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brett St. Martin, Martin and Nick Richardson uh, from Jason's beloved Maryland Terrapins. I th- believe they're both... I think Richardson's a redshirt junior, but mm-hmm. he was like part of the senior day celebration like he got his framed jersey um you know there are a couple other seniors i think brian padilla but he hit like tore his acl twice and didn't you know he's a highly regarded recruit out of sc dallas but mm. injuries just really held him back so i don't expect I many maybe he gets drafted randomly but um those are some of the names you know and pompeo pompu i don't know how to pronounce his name he's interesting too because um he's a junior Brazilian came to the U.S. to play high school soccer at St. Benedict's in New Jersey, and you know, can, you know, he has eligibility left. Would have to sign a GA contract. Um, we'll see if that ends up happening. But he's he wouldn't have a he has a green card. That's the point I was bringing him up to mm-hmm. because that that makes him a little more, you know, gives him not not that you're picking a player just for his citizenship status, but it doesn't hurt him. Yeah especially with international spots going for a quarter million now. Uh, thanks to mostly to Charlotte. Good job, guys. Yes. <laughs> all, all of them going to Charlotte. Well, uh, your team got one. So why, why, uh, why, why a long face? Oh no, I, I'm making, <laughs> no, I'm making a joke more about it. Like it, oh, it okay. yeah, it yeah. makes it tough if you're an international player coming out of college. Cause now that that yeah. cost becomes like, do we really want to spend that much to use it on this college player? But if Charlotte's giving out the money, maybe it changes things i don't know <laughs> yeah and yet here we are you know you don't have to look too far for when a you know an international college player was the number four pick so yeah exactly last year <laughs> i mean yeah dc united traded or took one very early last year as well so yeah right <clears throat> um united have started putting a lot of emphasis it seems on promoting academy players up through loud and united and into the first team in kind of a more systemic way than uh in the is there anybody you think who hasn't been signed at this point who who's on the verge of getting either a loudon contract or a first team contract um you know i don't i haven't dug it as super deep into the academy as i probably should have to prep for this but <laughs> i think that there's no one like knocking on the door i know owen waltz is highly rated i believe he's going to the university of virginia either mm-hmm this year or next year uh center back center mid type he's probably he, i mean it's hard to, to read into the loud and united performances just because it's very tacoma defiance-esque in the, yeah. uh, the shipping of goals and uh whatnot so you know he, he's the name that's strongest for me you know gordon from at american who we talked about a little bit already you know that that's a goalkeeper i believe he's on a full ride at american which is you no know, good for him and kind of makes sense to stick that out. I think it's it's been nice to see the, I think, what is it, the 04 group? I think things are starting to pick up a little bit more. You had your 03s were good. Like, you had Paredes and Nyman, because mm-hmm. yeah, with an 02. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily, I think you'll see a lot more of the 04, 05 go to, like, good schools. Then you'll see them sign, necessarily. I could be wrong. I got, you know, we had I thought Jacob Green and Gray would both end up at their respective ACC schools they committed to. So 
you know, things can change. And, you know, I'm just interested to see the, how the whole dynamic of the Academy continues to either improve, stay the same. I think either those sort of pathways are the most, most likely, but, but the weird, the one thing for me and, and um, you know, being in the area with the, the new facilities being set up all the way out in Leesburg, it's sort of like, well, a lot of your like best homegrown signings have been from PG County. So How's that? Mm-hmm. I know that the push for a lot of these guys is to do high school online and not just DC United, but this is across like any yeah. sort of elite player pathway, right? Yeah. It's like, don't go to, don't go to an actual high school, which is has a whole like social dynamic. Well, for the program. last couple of years, it's, it's <laughs> been pretty close to that anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, but if you, I think fans of the team are probably more, you know, Jace Clark and Saxon Walcott are two guys that are graduating in 2023 that are both committed to play at Maryland, for example, I think you'll see a couple of guys, like it, it'd probably be prudent to follow those college programs probably more than seeing, Oh, these guys are on the knocking on the door of the, you know, loud. And, and, and I, it, it, it's hard to like really project what's going to happen because each player's in his own sort of like, you know, how much, what's your scholarship offer versus the first team offer. And right. You know, mm-hmm. what, what's your family's socioeconomic, like, con- how does that context, you know, those are things that it's already hard to think about. And are you getting a $100,000 a year offer from DC United, or is it just like your, your, your 60K minimum? So it's really hard to pro- kind of project. I, I try to think about as a, a parent myself now, I've been a parent for a while, but you think about things in a way that you didn't used to when you're doing your work. I guess with a, a parent, a kid that's uh, seven years old and not, four years old or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's hard to project on who the next, I think it's better to you know, stick with the guys on Loudon versus, I think that you'll see a bump to DC. Like did Coup de Pietro sign with DC? It's not, not official yet. yet. It's not yeah, official. But... Okay. Anyway, that's what I'm here for. My, my DC. But our understanding is yes. Yeah, yeah, we're working under the assumption that it's just a matter of like the week between Christmas and New Year's was a dead zone, and now things mm-hmm. are gearing back up. They had Heinz like today, but I'm sure that deal's been done for some time. It's just a matter of like, do we want to roll this out when like no one wants to be at the office? Um, because you know, it, yeah, it is yeah. a workplace. Um, yeah, the stadium or has we like wait till January second and in it. tweet a ketchup bottle. <laughs> Well, look, that's how you do, that's how you get people excited, because otherwise, good. like, I liked it. there's I'm nothing else going on. Um, but yeah, um, you, Travis, you mentioned um, Owen Walls, and I, I just wanted to throw in that um, from everything we could figure out, the team never told us this officially, but from what we could put together from staring at video and or screen caps and, and still photos, um, which is the Black and Red United preseason uh, promise that we will do that despite ourselves. Um, he was with the team, I think for the, almost the entire preseason last year with DC, um, not with Loudon, but with DC, I think, I think he was with the team until Tony Alfaro arrived on trial. Um, so he was there for quite a while. So, you know, obviously, and it, you know, he wasn't, I'm sure it wasn't a plan. It was more like we need human beings that can play <laughs> soccer. Um, but it was also like, he was getting into those games. He was one of yeah. the unidentified players. Um, and it, 
you know, we saw other situations where Losada wasn't willing to put some players in for various reasons. So it says something that he was like, no, this kid can play in this game and it's not going to derail our whole preseason game because our center back is just not up to the standard. Because if you put, you know, a random guy out there, it's kind of going to ruin the game because everyone on both teams is going to see immediately it's just some dude. Um, this is not a potential prospect to play professional soccer and they will be found out quickly. Um, so there's something there. I, I think that um, they could have him in mind down the road if he continues his development with, with Loudon and or if, you know, if he if he plays collegiately uh, doing well at, through that as well. Because it's not like DC is like, you have to come through loud and it's, they're pretty open to whatever path you're going to take. Um, you know, Donovan Pines is on a homegrown contract coming through college, whereas Jacob green is not. Um, so they're, they're kind of, I, I get the sense that the team is like, you know, if college is the better path for you and your development continues in the right path, then we're still going to be here at the end. We're not just going to be like, well, he's gone now. We will never think of him again. Um, which is not, you know, it seems like maybe some MLS teams, Chicago, for example, um, when their homegrown players go to college, it's like that human being doesn't exist. I've never heard of that guy. I will never speak of him again. Well, the um, fire did just sign a homegrown player from college. So maybe, maybe things are finally changing. It's a rarity. Yeah. The logo change maybe is, is they're like, we have to do things differently this time. Kyle made it happen. There you go. <laughs> Throwback for, for any real ones who are on DC anyone that's Twitter older? and like, 2008 <laughs> yeah anyone that's old is what you're saying yeah yeah if you're old and we're on twitter before 2010 uh that one's for you travis thank you so much for coming on um why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you online not in real no life problem. we don't want anyone i look forward to this you know in saying you dissed my dra- draft chances yeah um check us out topgrowsoccer.com i'm on twitter at travis m clark asking any questions or about random college players from service academies or wherever else and i'll i'll know i'll know too much because i'm a huge nerd we'll find the other three of us nerds at black and red united.com we're also on twitter at filibuster dcu for the podcast at black and red U for the website ben is at bromley soccer jason is at jason dc soccer i have a new handle at 202 amt I didn't put the word soccer in there. I'm sorry. It was, I, I should have no for the brand. No, it's for soccer, Adam. How will they ever understand what my feed is about if yeah. I don't tell them? I actually, what I need is a clip art soccer ball as a character in we, my well, Yeah, they won't, they haven't allowed us to do that yet. So you have to type the full word out. Come on, Twitter. <laughs> Two requests, that and an edit button. That's all we need. Um, Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com, especially if you have an advertising inquiry for us. Download, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly, though, tell a friend about this show that somehow has been on for 10 whole seasons and more than 500 episodes. Uh, Thank you all for listening. uh, For Jason and Ben, and thanking Travis one more time, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. I just wish that I could be named Guy of the Meat. Thank you.